going to read from Matthew 7. We're nearly at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, missing out a couple of verses today. Um, head down to a familiar passage, I think. Verse 27 says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, we know what that's all about, don't we? It won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. It's a wonderful word, isn't it? Crash. You know, the Sermon on the Mount is good news. The good news is that here is the blessed life. Here is the life of abundance, the life of favor, the life of joy. This is the spirit-filled way of living, and this way of living is available to you and I right now. It is possible to have a successful life, a fruitful life right here and right now. A life that earns heavenly reward. A life that gains that eternal promised inheritance. So it's good news. Here is the blessed life. But it's also a revolution. It is a turning upside down. It's radical. It is counter-cultural. It means everyone else may well be running in the opposite direction. Jesus came to tell us that there was a new way, a better, higher way. But as you've heard in the last couple of weeks, that way is narrower, and that way may well be harder. In order to walk in that way, there's going to need to be a shift in mindset, we're going to need to follow different objectives. We're going to have to make tougher choices. But they will lead to different patterns of behavior. And those different patterns of behavior will produce the supernatural outcomes that we long for. Amen. We're going to need a fresh perspective. To get to this blessed life, we're going to need to see things through Jesus's eyes. There must be a realignment, a reprioritizing. Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you besides. To get to this place, we must let God's word and the Holy Spirit work deep in our hearts to transform us from the inside out. And the result of all that will be revolution. It will also be the blessed life. Amen. The Sermon on the, on the Mount is brilliant. It's thorough. And it's tough. The final two verses, 28 and 29, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught with real authority, quite unlike 
their teachers of religious law. The crowd were stunned. And hopefully, we are inspired. Hopefully, we are challenged. Hopefully, we are now equipped to press into this kingdom life, this blessed life, this spirit-filled life that Jesus came to set up. So as we wrap up this series, we come to Jesus' final thought, the big summary, if you like. And essentially what he's saying is, given all of this, and he just taught probably for several days, given all of this, you need to know that the ball is now in your court. What are you going to do about it? More specifically, upon what foundation are you now going to build your life? Is it going to be rock or is it going to be sand? Jesus tells, doesn't he, tells us a story, a mini parable. And it goes like this. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the steams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. Then he goes on to say, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So Jesus paints a picture with two scenarios. On one side we have the wise man, and on the other side we have the foolish man. It was coincidence that I chose this side for the wise and this side for the foolish, before you get upset about that. Two scenarios. In those two scenarios, both sets of people heard the word. Both sets of people build a house. Both sets of people are subject to the same storms. But there is one difference. One puts the teaching into practice. One actually does it, and the other one doesn't. One does something about it, the other doesn't. One house stands, the other one crashes to the ground. So there's a simple message, really. When the storm comes, and incidentally, it's not if the storm comes, when the storms come, you know, and as Brits, we understand that wind and rain and storms are inevitable. The question is, will your house stand? When the storms come, will your relationships last? Will the decision that you make be sound? Will you maintain a peaceful, joyful stability? Will you be taunted with fears, plagued with anxieties? And the answer is, it depends upon your foundation. The reality is, if you are a Christian, you will have trials. If you are not a Christian, you will have trials. If you are an obedient Christian, you will have trials. The storms will come, the rain will beat down, the winds will thrash you about, but 
The good news is that if your house is built upon rock, it will stand. Rock represents the person who hears all that Jesus taught. This person gets it. They, they grab hold of it, they go after it, and they actually do it. The sand represents the one who doesn't. Again, both here. Same sermon, same principles. They were sitting on the same hillside, listening to the same Jesus. And so success, as Jesus explains here, is dependent upon your action plan. And the big question that Jesus was casting before the crowd was, now that you've heard, what are you going to do about it? And so, 13 weeks into Jesus' revolution, now that we've heard, what are we going to do about it? There's a key premise that this whole thing stands on. And it's this, the stable, successful life is one that is built upon the rock. Amen. The rock of God's word. Familiar passage, Joshua 1, verse 7 says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate to them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Amen. New Testament equivalent will be James chapter 1. Verse 22 says, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. wonder if he had Jesus' rock and sand, wise man, foolish man, running around his head as he wrote this. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says... And don't forget what you heard. Then God will bless you for doing it. Amen. So the rock represents God's word straight and hard. It represents his light shone in our pathway. It represents practical living, sorry, practical wisdom given to us to live by. It represents liberating truth. It represents inspiring Revelation. Amen. Sand, of course, is the, the reverse. Sand represents darkness, foolishness, worldliness, fleshliness, selfishness. It represents error from the sliding scale of subtle deceptions through to downright lies. And again, the message, the house that is built upon the rock will stand the house that is built upon the sand will collapse. So the big question for us, I think, is this. If we were to examine the
the way that we think? Would we find rock or would we find sand? What is your house built on? What makes up the foundation of your life? If we were to look just below the surface, just under the skin, behind the mask, deep into your heart, what would we find? When you look, what do you find? What, what is it that is underpinning your decisions, your reactions, your relationships? What's underpinning your goals, your time management, your financial management? And again, the message is simple. When the storm comes, it is the house that is built on rock that will stand. Today, what I want to do is I want to shine the light straight into this question. What is rock and what is sand? And then for you then to be able to ask yourself the question, what am I building my life upon? To be honest, I would preach the whole of the Sermon on the Mount just to get to these four verses. One day I think maybe there'll be a whole series on rock versus sand. Questions like this, what are the lies that we sometimes buy into? What are the mistruths and half-truths that we just can't quite dig out of our thinking? What brick walls do we keep banging our heads against? What's causing our house to collapse every time the wretched wind blows? What are the things that cause our heart to sink, our progress to derail, our relationships to implode, our conversations to explode, our businesses to fail, our recovery to relapse? There are many places that we could go with this. We could easily just backtrack through the Sermon on the Mount and look at the examples that Jesus emphasized, areas that we have highlighted through our teaching series. And if I was to ask you the question, is your life built on rock or is your life built on sand? I expect for most people, the answer would probably be a little bit of both. A little bit of both. I doubt that all, any of us are quite mature enough to have everything built on the rock. I mean, there are little fears, little errors, little lies that have dug their way in. I doubt any of us are completely on the sand such that as soon as the wind blows, we're washed away. We're probably somewhere in the middle. And there are probably areas that are sand against the areas that are rock. There are probably areas where we do tend to crash versus areas in which we are secure. And, and the spirit in which I'd like you to receive this this morning is to, is to pray and say, Lord, I just need you to show me. I, I recognize that if my life's built on sand, it will crash when the storm comes. I so want my life to be built on the rock. I mean, why wouldn't you want your life to be built on the rock? Everyone wants their life to be built on the rock. The question is, Holy Spirit, would you shine the light this morning? And would you help to highlight what is rock, which is great, and what is sand, which is not great, and what then can I do about it? So that's the plan. Just a few examples to begin with to, to, to understand what I'm talking about. 
uh, about examples of, of rock versus sand. I've got about three or four. I'll go through them quickly. The first one I've called the pursuit of happiness versus the pursuit of wholeness. And I think there's this, this sense that if I, if I can get all of my outward circumstances all rosy, I'll find that elusive happy, that warm, fuzzy feeling on the inside. The flip approach to that is, is if, if I will allow God to change me on the inside, then the happiness, in quotes, that I experience will be far deeper, far stronger, and far more secure. We need to understand that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is not a fruit of our circumstances. You know, if, if our stability is based on the pursuit of happiness, it'll come down to, you know, how, how that pretty girl looks at me. Or, or how my boss talks to me. Or how bulging my savings account is. Or how much better this time my kids' report grades are. And, th and those kind of things may be nice. I mean, I, I love those things. But the danger is they're sand. And the question again becomes, what are you building on? Who are you looking to? And who is the source of your happiness. And I only ask that mean question because I know and you know that the storm is coming. Yeah. That you will at some point be rejected, let down, maybe even by your best friend. There will be a major expense that throws up in the air your financial planning. There will be some form of unsettling scenario that happens in your office. And I think this is hard for us, because if we're honest, we all like to be happy. I personally prefer warm, fuzzy on the inside. The problem is, if, if happy is what you're aiming for, it's so easy for the enemy to come and sabotage that. Because actually, your house is built on sand. If your house is built on other people's opinions, or whether you have a good day or a bad day, or how they look at you, or what they say to you. You know, the world's fickle. Truth is, it's easier and it's quicker to build on sand. But the trouble is, it doesn't last. The alternative choice we have is to build a house on rock. Rock is allowing the Word of God and the Spirit of God to perform a deep metamorphosis, transformation on the inside. That, if, if we will allow him to do that, we, we reach the point where we, we can place our confidence, not in all of those other things, but our confidence can be placed in God. The place where we're now standing, not on other people's opinions, but on God's promises. I know which I'd rather be standing on. The place where we can allow God to fashion in us humility and grace and love, the sorts of things that lead to an unshakable inner strength. Paul the Apostle writes this stunning line in Philippians 4 verse 11, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. In other words, my stability, my peace and joy, my security is not based 
upon my security, my circumstance at all. I've cut that off. I've disassociated myself from it. I still prefer it when they're good. I don't like being stoned and shipwrecked and flogged and those kind of things. But now my stability is based on something a lot stronger, a lot more powerful. Now my stability is based on God and what He has said, what He has done, what He has written. And these two come down to rock against sand. The rock is that my relationship with God gives me deep inner peace and joy. The sand is my outward circumstances are there to make me happy. That's what they're for. That's their responsibility to make me happy. That, folks, is sand. You know that. Instinctively, you know that. When the storm comes, that house collapses. Second one is an extension of that. Uh, And the question is, what is your identity in? If your identity, your sense of self-worth or value or esteem, whatever language you want to use, if it is based in yourself, if it is based on romance, if it is based on your job status or your financial profile, guess what? That's sand. The rock is when your identity is found in Christ Jesus. Amen. That's the difference. For that person, I am who God says I am because of what Christ has done for me and because of what the Word says about me. I do not derive my self-worth from the opinions of others. Good day, bad day. I don't derive my self-worth from my wealth or my status or my looks. Dig the person next to you in the river and say, good job for that, eh? I'm not valuable because I'm clever, because I'm good-looking. I just mean this in a kind of general sense, by the way. Although there is a mirror in my iPad, no. Talented, personable. I'm not valuable for any of those things. I am valuable. You are valuable because Jesus says you are. Full stop, period, end of discussion. You are someone that Jesus thought was worth dying for. Jesus was prepared to have received those stripes, that anguish, that abandonment on the cross because he loves you. And that is the rock and that is what matters. And if you build your life on that, you'll have stability. If you do not, you will have crumbleability, which is probably not a real word. So my identity is not rooted in who I am so much as whose I am. The fact that I am chosen, adopted, I am perfectly loved, that I am a co-heir with Christ. I have been reborn with purpose, with hope, with destiny in Christ. And of those two options, one is rock, And one is sand. And again, the question for this morning is, in your thinking, what are you, in your decisions, in your relationships, what are you building on? Are you building your house on sand? The opinions of others? Or are you building yourself on rock, identity in Christ? There is a big difference. Number three, a couple more quickly. Number three is is the whole area of forgiveness, 
hanging on or letting go. Jesus made this clear, I think. Hanging on is sand and letting go is rock. Relationally, are you going to build on refusing to forgive? On refusal to let go? On the desire to punish them because they hurt you? Are you determined to hold on for justification for you and consequence for them? Or are you going to build on the strong, habitual decision to forgive? Letting go. Giving it to God. Trusting that God can and will do so much more with it than you might be able to do. Because one of those is sand and one of those is rock. One of them produces bitterness and jealousy and pride. The other one produces life and freedom and the fruit of grace. Last one is works versus grace in our thinking. We all know, because we've read our Bibles like good, obedient little Christians, we know that we are saved by grace, not works, correct? But still many of us, subconsciously, insidiously, are driven still to perform. There's a nagging voice inside of us that tells us that we're not good enough. Or we're convinced that God is mad with us. Or that we're failing him in some way or another. You know, we wouldn't say that theologically. But I think if we're not careful, we can subtly live like that functionally. And the reason for that is that everything in our world is about earned favor. It's about deserved love. We're trained, aren't we, to be conditional. If you do, then I will. The thing is that gospel is entirely unconditional. So Sand says, I must deserve God's love. I must work for his acceptance. I must earn his favor. And guess what? We crash over and over again. But the rock says, he's already done it. He's already provided it. He's already freely offered it. You might have heard this one before. Religion is spelt D-O for do. Gospel is spelt D-O-N-E, done. Kingdom is spelt, test my spelling out, R-E-C, E before I before E, R-E-I-B-E. The more I think about it, the more likely I am to spell it wrong. Religion is spelt do, gospel is spelt done, kingdom is spelt receive. So the sand is, I obey God, and so he loves me in response to that obedience. But actually, rock goes like this, God loves me, and so I obey him in response to that love. Subtle differences, but differences nevertheless. Rock number four, God loves me so much that I can't wait to serve him. The sand is, I'm working so hard that surely God must love me. Those are just four examples of rock versus sand. There are many other examples 
many other places that we could go. We could dig into those ones in much greater detail. But now I've laid that before you. Two questions. So what, now what? How do I start to rebuild on rock? How do I sift out the sand in my thinking? How do I make sure that I've laid down foundations that are strong and solid? Just three very quick thoughts for you, and then we'll be done. Number one, or letter A, I think it is, is accept that God knows best and decide to do it His way. That's a really good, solid piece of advice, folks. I really encourage you to grab a hold of this one. Accept that God knows best and decide to do it His way. How do we do that? Comes back around again to the same principle. We call it renewing the mind. Renewing the mind, in essence, takes us to the point where we agree with God. What's the old line? No one has yet disagreed with God and won. And what we have to do is we have to get into God's Word and to get God's Word into us. We need to completely change the way we think so that we've flushed out the sand and we've implanted the rock. The word renew literally means to renovate. You know, it's the idea of some home improvements. You've got a kitchen being remade. Purse did mine, Catherine's. I was a Freudian slip. Catherine's kitchen a couple of years ago. And the first thing he did was to strip out all the old. And the the second thing he did was then was to put in all the new. There's two sides to renewing the mind. There's out with the old and there's in with the new. There's an unlearning and a relearning. There's a disqualifying of the lies and there's an implanting of the truth. A sifting out of the sand and a rebuilding with the rock. God's word is the power, has the power to perform both the unlearning and the relearning, both the stripping out and the depositing in again. God's word is the only influence with the power to flush out the lies and the darkness and the worldliness and the hurt and the guilt and the fear because that's what the word does. Gives you that brain cleansing, washing. Similarly, the word is the only thing that has the power to fill you with truth. We need that saturation. We need the new principles. We need the new habits. Remember the verse we read in Joshua chapter 1 about meditating and reading, you know, paint it on your doors, put it on the post-it notes on your windows, do whatever you need to do to make sure that you get it, that you're not deviating this way, you're not deviating that way, but you're doing what God has said because that is the path that leads to success, to blessing, to fruitfulness. Piece of advice for you. Why not read, this is a joke, why not read the Sermon on the Mount every day for the rest of your lives? I mean, that would do you so much good, wouldn't it? I'm not suggesting you necessarily need to do that, but think, think what a change there would be in our life if we did. If we allowed all the principles that Jesus has taught through this sermon to flush out all the nonsense and to rebuild us with wisdom, truth, strength. So number one, accept what God has said. Number two, do it by faith until you get it. There's a modern day saying, fake it 
until you make it. What I mean by that is, if Jesus says, forgive, forgive. You might not want to, you might not feel like it, you might not even think you need to. But every time you forgive, you're building another notch of your house on rock. If Jesus says, love, you love. But they're my enemy. Yes, I think Jesus covered that. But they're persecuting me. But they're gossiping about me. They're ba- doesn't matter. Jesus said, love, and we love. And every time we love, what are we doing? We're building that structure stronger, bigger, more stable, more secure on rock. If he says there's no condemnation, then stop beating yourself up. But I messed up. So join the club. Pick yourself up. Repent. Learn the lessons and do what it says. That way you'll build your life on the rock. Hearing is not enough. Understanding is not enough. Now you must do. And you must do it until it becomes part of you. The third one, very quickly, is ask the Holy Spirit. Ask Holy Spirit, what is rock and what is sand? What, what is spirit versus flesh? What is right versus wrong? What is word versus world? What is from heaven? What is from the other place? You know, what I'm encouraging you here to do is, is to dialogue with him and ask him to show you. When you face decisions, when you're about to open your mouth in a conversation, stop and ask the question. Say, Lord, I've got two choices here. One of them is rock. One of them is sand. It would really help if you right now would just whisper in my ear, would just prompt and nudge my heart to know which is which. Yeah. And then we have to learn to listen to that voice that voice of conviction, that voice of warning, that voice of wisdom. Ask the Holy Spirit. Get him involved. Word and Spirit is the answer to every problem you could possibly have. Okay, let's wrap this up. Matthew 7, 24, 27 in the message. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies, and don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. Parables written to the wise man and to the foolish man. Do you know there are a lot of people out there who think they are wise, but actually They're fools. There are many out there who think they are really smart, but because they have rejected God's word, guess what that makes them? I'll let you fill in the gap. 
being an expert in biblical theory and sound theology is one thing. But are you a doer of the word? If not, guess what? Jesus says, you are like the man who built his house upon the sand. If you know what to do and don't do it, what does that make you? Sorry, makes you a fool. Here's the truism. You cannot keep doing the same things, making the same decisions, believing the same lies, and expect to get different results. Oh, if only I try harder this time, if only I shout louder, if only I run faster. No, a house built on the sand will always fall. A house built on the rock will always stand. So, how do we respond to that? Very, very simple. I'd like you to prayerfully ask the Lord a question today. Is my life built on rock? Or is my house built on sand? You know, you can dig a little deeper than that and say, okay, Lord, in my thinking process and the way I do life, is there rock in there? And is there sand in there? Lord, would you show me where the sand is? Would you help me to sift through it? Would you help me to disqualify those lies? And would you help me to implant the truth that will enable me to build my house on the rock? So here's the question. Is your life built upon the rock or on the sand? Are you someone that will be qualified as being wise or foolish? How do you make your decisions? How do you conduct your relationships? How do you react to difficult situations? How do you manage your time? How do you manage your money? Are you built on the rock or are you built on the sand? And today I just say this very simply. Take that to the Lord and ask him, just pray. And we'll ask Mark and the team if they'll come forward in a second. They're going to lead us in two songs. The first one is going to be kind of reflective. And then the second one is going to be a bit more of a bold declaration. And the first one I'd encourage you just to ask the question. Say, Lord, is there anything? Is there anything that I need to ask here? And then in the second one, why don't you make a bold declaration? Say, Lord... I want to build my house on rock. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to accept that you know best. I'm going to do it because you advise me to do it. Not because I understand it or because I like it, because I know that it's putting it into practice that produces fruit. So I'm going to pray. If you would mind standing, stretch those legs. What we'll do is we'll, we'll offer ministry time at the end of the service, okay? Um, so if you'd like someone to pray for you, with you for something at the end, we'll pray for you over here. But for now, it's like everyone just to focus in. Um, I'll pray, and then Mark will lead us in these two songs. And then we'll be done about 20 past 12 when the kids come out. Like it was planned. Let's pray. Father, this is a simple, simple illustration so simple, Lord, we can't misunderstand what you're saying here. And if we're honest and we look back over our lives and our relationships and our ups and downs, we know that this is true. We know that there is incredible power in building our lives upon rock. 
and we know how vulnerable we are when we build it on sand. And Lord, we're honest enough around here to know that there are storms, that it's not always a wonderful, glossy Christian bubble, that sometimes bad stuff happens to good people. We understand all of that. And all we can do really here, Lord, is to say, would you, would you just show us today, as we ask you honestly these questions, Lord, is my house built on rock or is my house built on sand? Is my thinking based on truth or is it based on mistruths, half-truths, total untruths? Lord, we just give you this time and we ask you, Lord, as we worship, just to shine your light, just to whisper in our ears and then, Lord, we just want to make that bold declaration. We want to say, Lord, we want to do it your way. We want to be your people. We've heard about the narrow way. We've heard about putting God first. Today we've heard about building a house upon the rock. Lord, we want to do that. So Lord, we give you the next five, ten minutes. Just ask you to do in our hearts, Holy Spirit, what it is that you need to do. In Jesus' name. Amen.